Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere we go, people want to know. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Julie Haynes, also known as Twins and Me, and I'm from Cork City. Julie, thank you so much for sitting down with me. And as I said to you just off the call there that I had a rake of people um, say to me, you know, oh, you need to sit down with Julie. But talk to me. You have your um, Instagram handle and it's Twins and Me. How old are the twins? So they are four this coming October. So they're three, just over three and a half now. And yeah. was it a shock or what? Tell me about that pregnancy and what a that was shock. like. I'm still shocked. <laughs> Nearly four years on, the shock will never leave me. It was, it was a huge shock. So I was out in Australia, you see, living my best life and I fell pregnant and, um, oh, I was shocked. I was absolute, oh my God. I was like, oh God, I was, I was absolutely shocked. And I got over the fact then that I was pregnant and I was accepting the pregnancy and I was moving forward and I had to go to, I had to go for a scan out in Australia. And the lady said to me, she said, Julie, I'm going to have to do an internal on you. And I said, oh my God, is everything okay with the baby? And she said, I think there's two. I said, well, girl, go up there because there's definitely not two. We have to confirm this. And she did. And she went up and she said, no, Julie, two. I said, oh, Christ. But no, I wouldn't have it no other way. But at the time, because I was out in Australia, I had none of my family were out there. In fairness, I had a great bunch of friends, but um, it was a big shock to the system. Definitely. And were you, were you yeah. going to come home? Like, was that your plan? Were you going to come home? Did you tell them while you were out in Australia? Did you tell them yeah. there was twins while you were in Australia yeah. or what happened? Tell me. I was lucky, you see. So my mom and dad, my brother actually came out to me um, the Christmas. So I found out I was pregnant the week after Valentine's Day. And my mom, dad and my brother were coming out to visit me in Australia at that Christmas. So they would have met him. So at least when I rang him, rang them to tell them I was pregnant, they knew who he was. They knew the dad, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was definitely soften the blow, thank God. Was we, when we rang his family, they never even met me. And here I was carrying their twins. So um, no, the plan was to stay out there and have the babies out there and stay out there for maybe three years with the twins and then come home to school them in Ireland. But when I was six months pregnant, then my mom rang me and she said, look, Julie, she says, I were at to find out that your dad has cancer. We don't know how bad it is at the moment. He was just going for tests and scans and everything else, but we can't keep it a secret from you. So my, like, 
I just want to get home then because I knew at that stage if I waited any longer and if I found out that my dad was like if you only had like a month to live like, and I didn't want to be like a negative Nancy but like I really have to think of the future I was like well but if I was eight months pregnant and my dad was doctors so my dad oh you only have a month to live and I'm stuck out in Australia heavily pregnant with twins like I, I don't know how I'd cope so I was very lucky and an Irish GP out there so I went to him and I sat down with him and I explained everything so he set me up to the hospital straight away I had a scan the babies are quite high up so they knew I wasn't going to go into labour any day so they said look we'll write you a note but you have to get on a flight and go straight home and, and that's what I did and it was the best decision I ever, I ever made I'm, I'm so so happy now looking back that I, I came home to be with my family and then how did you break that to him like or did he come home with you or not no so he had a really really good job out in Australia at the time he was a um, really good job so at the time again we didn't know how serious my dad's condition was we didn't know how, how far the cancer had spread we knew kind of nothing we just knew he was going for a test and look at what we knew it wasn't looking great but I said to him he said he he was all for me coming home he said you're making the right decision he was he did ask that I wanted him to come home with me but at this time like as I said we didn't know how bad my dad's cancer was so I said you stay in Australia I'll go home for a couple of months I will see then what happens and that's what we did and then you come home and how long after Jesus six months on that plane by yourself was it very daunting yeah, yeah. I, do you know it wasn't too I actually slept for most of it I was exhausted from carrying the twins and then with the heat as well out in Australia and the plane was so big I was in the middle row so there was four chairs so I had the whole four chairs myself so I was, it was I made it into like a little bed and to be fair I slept all the way so it was actually fine it was fine and then the greeting at the what is a greeting at the airport like after all that time of not seeing somebody you know I know you'd only seen them at Christmas but coming home to that what was that like so that was the June then you see so I was yeah I was like the June or the July I came home and I actually flew into Dublin airport and my mom my dad and my brother were after flight or after driving us in car it was brilliant it was so lovely like and they had um, a sign saying welcome home Julie and the two peas and the, two peas and the two little peas or something they had it was so lovely but then it was heartbreaking knowing that I was coming home to the unknown and into straight into all these hospital appointments and you know being a support as well for my mom and my brother and my dad and then having this big pregnancy as well you know and did you see a difference in your dad in the six months I did I actually did yeah he was like my dad would never person to complain he'd always just get on with it but he was like complaining now getting into the car and now he was kind of achy and pain it's not like it's not not huge but like and it was horrible to see my dad like that because that wasn't him you know so that that was heartbreaking so that was the start of it then and then you ha- so then you make all your appointments and change your appointments to yeah. Cork um, yeah. and how does the, preg- the rest of the pregnancy go? Brilliant I had a great pregnancy um, I had a planned C-session then for when I was 38 weeks on the button so I found out my dates the day that I would be going to be brought in for my C-section and their dad actually came home then from Australia to be with me um, so he flew home I had the planned C-section he stayed then for maybe a month and then he went back out to Australia and at the time I was renting a house by my mom and dad's house uh, my mom and dad now I could have stayed with my mom and dad but like we live in the middle of the Cork City my mom and dad's house is small and my bedroom where I would have stayed with the twins is very very small um, I wouldn't have got two, two cots in there so I rented a house um, just myself and the twins so that was hard that was really really hard being there on my own with two newborns 
So then the relationship did struggle because he was out in Australia working and he said if he had a day off, which he's quite entitled to, if he was texting me saying, oh, I'm just down watching Netflix, I was I was getting odd with him. Then I'm like, how dare you watch Netflix on your I'm I'm peeing here with two babies on my, you know? Mm. I, so we did, we struggled. We, our relationship did struggle. <clears throat> and then um, tell me about the birth. Everything was good because they had physio for a very long time, didn't they? What was that for? Yeah, <clears throat> so that was for... So Fionn was Fionn was actually born eight pound. Well, seven fourteen was going on eight pound. Jesus, that's big was, for a twin. Yeah, which is huge. And then Aaron Rose was six and a half. So what I reckon happened to Fionn is because there are such big babies, and then you have your placentas and everything else that's in there during pregnancy. Fionn didn't have much room to move, and so he was all kind of curled up. So when he was born, then he was born with a condition called hypotonia. So which means he had very very low muscle tone. So when they were testing the babies, like they'd like they lay Fionn down in the bed and then they'd pick up, like try to sit him up, but like his head was very, very floppy. All his muscles are very, very floppy. And then me being a new mom, I was like, but what did you expect? He's only a day old. We leave the child alone. But sure, they knew best. They're like, no, there's something up here. So he was brought down to Neo then for a while and I was able to bring Aaron home, which broke my heart bringing one twin home and what even one twin in the hospital. That was a very, very hard day as well. Um, but in fairness, we, he got, he was getting physio then from day one and he's flying alone. Sure, he's three and a half and he's playing rugby and he's an absolute, an upcoming uh, rugby star. Yeah. <laughs> Set, set you up for life and you don't have to do anything then Jesus imagine yeah, that's the plan that's the plan and then when did the Instagram page come about uh, when did you set that up and when did the trolling start and when did all that badness start like or did, did you have a good few years of like just people leaving you alone and following you and yeah. then when did stuff happen yeah, like, you know, I was only chatting to one of the girls there recently about that and when I first started my page um I suppose the twins were maybe two months old, three months old. And I just wanted to share like real motherhood, I suppose. But at the time, myself and their dad, then after a couple of months, we did break up. And he said, it. oh, so what happened was our plan was to go out to Australia. So because, our, as I said, our relationship was struggling. So he came home to help myself, the twins, go out to Australia. Now, we knew my dad, my dad was responding very well to treatment. So I knew he was going to be okay for another couple of years. So the plan was myself and himself to move out to Australia with the twins. So he came home and he was only staying in Ireland for a week and we were to fly back out on the Thursday and on the Tuesday evening we got a phone call from our visa agent saying that there was something wrong with our visas not to come back out now at that stage now I was after giving back the house that I was after that I, that I was after renting I gave up their buggies I gave away their car seats I had absolutely nothing because we were going to start from scratch out in Australia again with the twins or probably about 10, 11 months old at that stage um, so again our relationship then just that was another blow so we ended up breaking up um, he got his own visa sorted he went back out to Australia and I was left as I said with absolutely nothing had to move back into my mum and dad's house and as I said my mum and dad lives in the middle of Cork City so our bedrooms are tiny like so I couldn't get two cots in there so I ended up in my mum and dad's sitting room I was sleeping on the couch and I had the twins in the sitting room as well in their, their cottage that was going on for about eight months. So that's when really my Instagram took off. And a lot of people were, I never got trolled then because I, I just, first of all, I suppose I didn't have a big enough following. I probably only had about maybe 8,000, 10,000 following at that stage. But 
it's now that I'm actually after finding my feet, people now are coming after me. Do you know that that's the way I'm finding it at the moment. No, I I still only rent the house. I'm not. I, by no means do I have my own house and a big huge car outside the door. I'm just normal Joe so But I know I feel like no, they're after me. Isn't it mad that, that they just want you to stay down? People you, yeah, exactly. just want they you to want stay down. Me to stay down, like and like as I said, it's not like it's not like I'm, I, I have a house. I'm renting it again. I, you know, I have a normal little car outside the door. It's not like I, you know, but it's just I just feel now that I'm to find my feet now that they're after me now. And Julie, can I ask you, just taking it back a bit? Yeah. Um, was he Irish? Your your partner? Yeah, he was Irish. And yeah. um, was he local? Was he a boyfriend here before you went out, or did you meet him out no, there? No, I met him out in Australia. I met him in an Irish pub out in Australia. And tell oh. me this: um, you must have had, and again, this will only help people. You must have had really horrible dark days in that yeah, time. Yeah, you know. Well, you see, again, my dad was going through um, treatment and with some treatment that he was going through, he couldn't be around pregnant women or children. Mm. Like he'd come back and he'd have to like, so my dad would come back and he'd be just like spent the whole day up in the hospital and he'd have to go up to his bedroom and have his dinner up there or his cup of tea up there. So me and the twins then were able to stay in the sitting room on our own, you know, downstairs. So it was very hard. I had a tent out my back garden where I would keep um, a lot of my, especially a lot of the kids' stuff, like their jumperoos, their swings. Yeah. That's where I would store stuff in a tent out my back, out my mom and dad's back garden. My mom and dad's hall was my wardrobe. That's where my wardrobe was with all my stuff and the kids' stuff. Like this was going on for eight months. It was absolutely horrific. Couldn't get a house. Um, like like everywhere in Ireland, I really struggled. Like I would go to viewings and I'm not joking the queue would be two miles long and the person then in front of me there could be a lovely couple in front of me they have no children they have two fine jobs and then I'm up behind them with two kids hanging off me I was only working part-time there was only one income coming in so like I, I understood why the landlord didn't want me but they wanted the couple in front of me two really good jobs you know but which was horrible mm. though but I just really, really, really struggled until I got this house. Then, in the end of the day, I had to go down. I had to declare my home and myself homeless as well. Um, with the kids in the buggy, and I couldn't get into the homeless office. Um, because my double buggy was so white, and it was, I found it hard to get into um into into places with my double buggy. And um, yeah, I cried, I cried, I cried looking into my kids' face. Like I cannot believe my life. I went from living the dream out to Australia to go down to declare myself fucking homeless like it's horrible isn't it a disgrace though I can imagine though when you were posting that stuff people were going I'm going through this I'm going through this up and down the country Oh, and it was everywhere. And I still, like, I'm still struggling. Like, as I said, this is just a rental house. Like, and at the back of my mind, I'm always like, what about my landlord comes to me and says, look, I know he has children. Oh, my small fellow over there wants to move into the house. You know, he's actually meeting a girlfriend or himself and three of his friends there from college want to come into this house. It's always, it's always going to be at the back of your mind. And what I went through for those eight months, I, I, I'm I traumatized over it. Like you're going through your dad's sickness, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a breakup where it's not just a breakup. There's a ba- babies involved and yeah. you're left to do all that because I'm sure your mom was up to 90 as well. Worried oh, about you, worried about your dad, trying to make sure because yeah. he's the love of her life. So and you're our daughter and you're a grandbaby. So she was probably up the yeah. walls as well. Oh, it took a toll on all of us, like my dad, my mom, my brother, like obviously myself, the kids, like we, we just, we did go through fucking hell there the last, it was just nonstop, I suppose, the last three years. Uh, like, it was horrible. 
and it's then absolutely happened. And how in that time, like, how did you survive? Like, I know Sean, Sean is very good to you, but at that in that time, like, how did you survive mentally? Oh, I just, you, I just said, you know, it's either swimmer, sink here now, Julie, you either keep going and keep getting up every morning. And I always say that to people that ask me about housing and stuff like that. And I just go to every feckin' view and get, leave the, like the, these letting agents or landlords know you, get them to know your face that you're determined, you know? And that's what I did. I went, like there's some days there I could go to six or seven houses viewing the day. I kept going and going and going. Like it's, it's really easy. Like I always say, like I, I could have went, I could have put the duvet over my head and felt very sorry for myself, but nobody's going to knock on my door. Then I'd be like, Era, Julie, should God love you. Come on down there to Delgate's the house. They're not going to do that. The only way I was going to is if I went there, knocked at the door and says, I'm here, I want this house, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's just keep going and just keep getting up and keep fighting for what you think you, you deserve, you know? And we always like that. Um, I suppose a small bit, but more so since the kids came along and, like, my mom and my brother and my dad were brilliant, but they were going through enough. You know, my dad had hospital appointments after hospital appointments and my poor dad, like, like he'd go into a doctor's appointment and he if he ever went in his own, he'd come out there and be like, Well, what happened? Oh, I don't know what he was saying. He was on but my dad would end up talking about fishing or something in there. So there was always have to be someone in with my dad, you know? Yeah. Like he'd come out and he'd be none the wiser. Like, you know, but um yeah, so they had enough going on. So I was like, I have to do this now for myself and the kids, of course. So I did. I finally got here then after after a long time, like. And then did that change everything for you? Like, I, you know, I can understand living with parents and especially in such a small environment, as you said, but then you're in your house and did, I know your dad did your kitchen and uh, did everything like that for you. So was that kind of life changing for you guys as a family? Did it bring you closer, even though you were so close living together, but did it actually yeah. bring you closer now that you had your little space? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm a good probably 20 minutes drive now from my mom's house, um, which is grand. But like she would, her said, my dad would nearly call to me every day. And I was working in Douglas. We would spoke about Douglas earlier. Mm. Was, um, I was working in Douglas at the time. So on my lunch break, instead of staying in the in the canteen there or whatever, I'd get into my car and I'd drive over to my dad's. And my dad would have a boiled egg ready for me every single day. I'm sure that's all he'd do to me. I would sit with my dad. I work Monday to Friday. I'd sit with my dad for that hour every day and then go back to work. Tell me from the very beginning, what kind of dad was he? Oh, he was oh, he's so funny. Like, like, like nothing bothered him. Like absolutely nothing. Like if somebody now said something to him, I'm like, dad, like, how do you feel about that? Fuck on, fuck on. You know, that was his attitude. That's all he used to say. Um, but yeah, he was gas, absolutely up for anything. Just loved the crack, loved going out for his pint, loved fishing. Just very, very easy going. My dad is a fisherman as well, um, and they are yeah. very easy going. They just want to get out there with their rod and do a bit of fishing. Yeah. That's all they want, isn't it? Just a bit of peace and yeah. quiet. <laughs> That's all he lived for. That's all he lived for. And then so and a cigarette. <laughs> Yeah, I loved a cigarette. And you know, like my dad could just my dad could like move move this bottle of water from here to there and he'd be like, Eric, sit down for a cigarette. He'd reward himself with a cigarette or he'd take a sip of his tea and he'd be like, I'll have a cigarette now. Every little thing you do, it was a cigarette then was this little reward. And did you smoke? Did you smoke growing up around your Johnny? 
I did actually. Um, I I smoked there, and I was smoking it in Australia. But with the heat, I thought was right. I couldn't do it, mm. and um, so I gave. I actually gave up in Australia before I fell pregnant. But um, I used to. Yeah, we all smoked. My dad would. Yeah. Kill, he probably would have killed you when he found out that you smoked. Did he? <laughs> No, because he was robbing them off me. <laughs> at that stage, I suppose the tens were gone. Remember, we'd be able to get like a ten jump level, went up to twenties, and he couldn't cope then with that. So he'd probably be robbing them off me. And then again, I'm just going to bring a little bit back to the Instagram page. So, yeah, as I said, and I think I've had this conversation about single mothers before and they get this bad reputation. And, you know, I was I was actually on the Elaine show, you know, Elaine's from Cork herself. And she said something that was really profound to me. She said, if that was a man at the school gates with twins or with, and the woman had left. Could you imagine all the women? Oh, God help him. Here's meals. Here's this. Here's that. Isn't he a hero? But nobody says anything about the man leaving. And it's always the woman's fault. Yeah, and you know, I got a message there last week, I think it was, and it was like, go away and get um go away and get a full time job for yourself. And I'm like, and who's gonna mind my kids? Mm. Like my kids now are off obviously for the summer holidays, but when they go back now in September, they'll be doing nine to twelve. If I applied for Super Valley down there, down Carrie Lane there, imagine me saying to the manager, Oh, um, I can only start now at about quarter past twenty past nine by the time I drop the kids. And I'd have to leave then at half eleven. I have nobody to watch my kids. The only two people that I would that my kids would go to is my mom and my brother, and they both work, mm. you know. And to, like I'm like I'm a stay at home mom, you know. I was working for a while, but now I just I find it too hard with them. And it's you know like my mother in law minds my kids for me to that yeah. when I work, but. I'd, I'd be very strict with my time with her and then you feel guilty even ask her look me and him are going to go for a coffee or we're going to go for a drink yeah. will you mind the kids yeah. and you don't want to ask because they're been looking after the kids all the day you know what I mean it's very hard. Yeah. yeah exactly and that's where I am as well so we say if I want to get even something so stupid like an eyebrow wax I'd yeah. have to ask my mom then if I was in the work that morning I'd have to ask my mom like no to, work, to mind my kids once I was at work then if I want to meet one of the girls on a Saturday night ask my mom I have, no, I honest to God, now I have a great bunch of friends and extended family, but with COVID and everything, sure, my kids didn't see them, you know? So it's very hard. So at the moment, and for the last couple of months, all I had was my mom and my brother, you mm. know? And people then text me, go away and get a job. I'm like, will you mind my kids? Do you yeah. know? And if I did get a child of mine down to the house, I mind it, I mind, like, I'm giving her all my wages, you know? It, it doesn't, it's very, very hard, like... And then at what stage you said that then people were, you know, they do love to see people down. They do love to see um, someone struggle. If someone comes on with like a a sad story, all of a sudden the the followers just jump because there's a situation that people don't like seeing people do well. Yeah. And like that now, again, again, when I was going through that and I was living on my mom, dad's couch and stuff, those couple of months I did my, that's where I see my following grow. Um, but I didn't have a huge amount of following at the time and now though but obviously my dad passed away then in February and at that stage I had probably about 60,000 60, followers something like that I can't even remember but something about that and they actually the trolls so because my dad died in February and we were in the height of a big lockdown then um, you know the way when somebody passed away there was only about is it eight after a few yeah. I can't even remember it was eight or ten or something like that but on RIP, then they left a link and like we say, if you wanted to watch my dad's funeral and just pay your own little respects, you just click on the link and then you can watch my dad's funeral from your own, from home or whatever. Mm. Like my trolls actually watched the whole funeral and commentated 
every little thing I done. They and, and most of it was all bull. Um, I can't remember my dad's funeral, and to be honest, I don't even want to remember it. I think if I could sit, if I sat down and talk back, I probably would be able to remember. But I don't want to because it was just the worst day of my life. But like, I remember a couple of, I was about two weeks after I buried my dad, I was starting to get screenshots of this page on, um, and these pages were trolls would meet and they'd be chatting away and uh, online forums and they were they literally commented every move I made and they were saying crap no like I was drunk I was walking around the altar like if I did that my mom would my mom kick me out of the church I was I put my three year old son on top of the coffin I um I was the one that killed my dad because I was going shopping in John stores and then I'd go and visit my dad you know just stuff like that like it was horrible it was, just after burying my dad to read stuff like that it was absolutely it was really kicking the teeth now as well to be fair and who are these people you like who are like and who in their right fucking mind would sit and say something like that lunatics absolutely and like they don't go as Julie Haynes or Mary Murphy or whatever they, they hide behind fake pages like oh just stupid names like and to write stuff like that that I I was she was drunk at her dad's funeral and I something like I had a handbag when I went into the church I put the handbag under the chair and when I got up to walk behind my dad I obviously forgot my handbag and I think my cousin ran to get my handbag and you know she was holding my handbag but kind of holding me up as well supporting me look at her she's drunk she can't even walk but it wasn't that I was drunk I was upset and you know you're kind of crouched I don't know I yeah. just thought it was I was absolutely they're just weird they're lunatics they're, they're unhinged that's what they are unhinged and tell me uh, you, at one point you did call out someone or did you find someone else's troll tell me about that no, yes, that was um, so. A couple of months ago, um, what happened there? Oh, the first one we caught. I, to be fair, now I'm not going to take credit for it because I didn't catch her. Was somebody else there? And Clark messaged me and said, um, "I don't look at these farms because, to be honest, they bore me because all I'm reading is bullshit." Like, mm. um, but she was keeping a good eye on it, and this particular troll was left a couple of things slip like about her own parents passed away and she left the day that they passed away and where she was from in Cork and about her children and left names and where she works. So this this woman that came to me put the pieces together and we figured out who it was and it was actually a girl that lives very, very close to me here. So I wrote to her, but I said something that was smart. I like I said like in a nice way now like her her troll name was um Am I allowed to say her yes, troll name? Yes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her troll, her troll name is almost there. So I wrote her anyway. She was after messaging me a couple of weeks back, but I didn't see it. So I wrote back to that message. And I was like, so sorry, hon. Um, was almost there texting you back. And I got almost there in to leave you know, I have you heard, no? Yeah. And uh, she blocked me straight away. And I was like, no, I have her. So I went back then on what she used to say about me. And I read like that. She said that one of the days I had up that, Fiona blown a whistle. And it was six o'clock in the morning in the middle of lockdown. And I was like, oh my God. And she wrote up then after viewing Fiona blown a whistle. I'd love to ram the fucking whistle down the throat. Now, my child was only two at that stage. Could you imagine writing that about a two year old? Like this one now was vicious what she used to be writing and then she also wrote where she worked and who she who she worked for and I rang the company and I said you have so and so working here and she says yeah and I said I said look can I have your email address I was speaking to the manager and she says yeah and I said run all the screenshots and the manager was vicious she was so upset that an employee of hers was acting like this 
So that was the Monday when my dad passed away then on the Thursday. So there wasn't much more done of that then just because it was just a rotten week, as you can imagine. So I kind of left that late, but I know she came off. This particular troll came off all social medias and she's just keeping her head down there now, as far as I know. But like even that, I'd love to... That's pure violence. A two-year-old? Like, say what you want about me. But could you imagine saying that about a two-year-old? Blown a... Now, it was grand for me because I'm the mother after listening to the six o'clock. Like, me be like, oh, God, look, here we go. With this. I, I always say, actually, on my story, I'm going to have to hide that whistle later. Do you know how yeah. And you're one then writing up on these farms. I'd love to ramp a whistle down his throat. That's what she wrote. Jesus Christ. And these people have kids. And I remember James Patrice, when James is... Um, podcast he said the same he said look come after me all you want because I'm putting myself out there but don't yeah. come after mom and dad or the sister Vanessa don't come after them yeah. and I just yeah. think people if you can't say it to your face don't fucking say it yeah and that's it like but sure I caught another one there a couple of weeks uh, Jesus when was it about three weeks ago again now she just kept left leaving things drop and I put the pieces together and I figured out who it was so I messaged her on Instagram and I was like hi hon I hear you have a few things you want to get off your chest send me on your number there and I'll give you a ring she blocked me so I did a bit more investigating anyway and I found out where she worked so I went down to their Facebook page anyway and it was like it's not it wasn't beauticians or hairdressers but it'd be like that now right mm. and it was like um, oh if you want to get in contact with Mary we'll call her give her a call on 087 blah 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 so I had her phone number so I gave her a ring and um, she knew it was me so she hung up anyway straight away and she blocked me from ringing her so then I, again I, as I said I knew where she worked so she had her own work email so I emailed her there and I was like honey I was like I know it. I know you've blocked like you're blocked you were just have to block me from Instagram you blocked me from ringing you like you're you know I know it's hacking you like just own up to it so emailed her anyway um, and then I said found my number and I was like look say it to my fucking face do you know mm. so with that I'm not there heard nothing back so I rang the, the work company I rang her work phone and again or like the, the landline we call it she hung up on me so then after a while anyway, a couple of hours anyway she rang me back she rang me and she was like um she was and crying on the phone and tried to give me a bit of a sob story goes girl I don't want to hear your sob story at all I was like we all have our sob stories I was like but what you're writing there about me is absolutely fucking vicious. Like, and where did you get this information? Like, you're right, X, Y, and Z. Do you know that for a fact? And she says, no, I just assumed it. I was like, girl, you can't just assume things and put it all over the internet because that's fucking wrong, like. Yeah, like, yeah. what planet are you fucking living in? Yeah. They're, they're just, like, I assumed it, so I wrote it about you. Like, that's not good enough, like, you know? And then, oh, and then crying and saying this, and I'm like, girl, I was like, enough now with your crocodile tears because this is fucking wrong, like. Now, at the end of the day, she did apologize, she did, I did get an apology and she apologized to my, my mom as well and my brother because she was writing vicious stuff about all of us and just, she was just wrong what she was writing, do you know? And Julie, the thing is about it, some people would actually... You're, you're very strong because some people would absolutely get into a hole, as I said, put a duvet over their mm-hmm. head or take their own life. And, and you know, we see that every single day. Jeez, down here in Cork, like, I, my terror, children doing, I can't fucking cope, like, and I'm like, I just want Aaron Rose and Fionn to say, like, you stand up to these fuckers, like, and if they're wrong, you, you go right up to their face and be like, 
hair like what's wrong with you like mm. I didn't you know stand up for yourself as well but I know it's easier said than done because my brother spoke on my, on my Instagram of his own anxiety and stuff and I couldn't imagine if he had to go through what I'm going through now with trolls I don't know what he'd take it as well you know because he as I said he suffers his anxiety and he spoke about that publicly on my Instagram but it's it's awful eh? it's, I, I do worry for and there will be another Caroline Flack in Ireland because of the trolls yeah and they'll have blood in their hands and they'll come up with they'll be the first person to oh god god help her and all she must have been blah yeah. blah blah and they're the ones that Hashtag cause her be kind. it's awful like oh they're just uh, they're unhinged absolutely unhinged like <laughs> And then tell me then about your dad. Did the first initial cancer stage then, did he get clear and did it come back or how did it work? No, no. So it was like we we found out it was stage four from day, day dot really. Um, so, but he went on, what three? Oh, he was on tablets first for the first maybe two years and they worked a dream because it was just one tablet. You just have to pop one tablet every day. And they worked a dream like he wasn't sick. He was nothing. He no side effects, thank God. Um, and I do think as well um, the twins kept him alive for that bit longer they kind of gave him a new lease of life um, so he was flying for two years and then they stopped working because I suppose his body got immune to it and then he went on I think it was radium um, but then we were in COVID then when he switched over to radium so he'd have, I'd have to drop them up or my mom would drop them up um, every couple of weeks to get his radium done and like he took a like a trooper as I said never complained um, would go in there with his paper and his hard sweets and stay in there for a couple of hours we'd pick him up again and not a bother to him so he was on the radium and then that was but again in COVID like when he was doing that like you know did he just take as you said he just took it in his absolute stride because he knew that he probably knew that he had to be there for you for the twinnies for everything really yeah in fairness like he was just like I dropped him off and I'd be smiling and we'd have the crack going up long but then as soon as he'd walk in the doors I'd be crying and it was awful like because the twins were off school because of COVID and stuff so I'd, all, I'd have them in the car and I'd be trying to dry up the chairs so they wouldn't see me upset you know um, but that was oh, that was really really hard but um, as I said he took it in the straight thank God and he wasn't sick which, which we were like as in you know really yeah. bad side effects which we were blessed by and right up to the end um, and we had a great Christmas and then just after Christmas then I could see though at Christmas time we spent Christmas in my house I could see he was going up to bed a lot you know having a rest mm. and stuff and that wasn't my dad at all at all um, if he wanted to have a little nap he'd nap away there on the couch you know for 20 minutes but like he wanted to go up to bed and close the door and have a full on deep sleep you know um, so I could see him going downhill at Christmas and then come January then it was it was it was bad it got bad then and did you like Shawnee and your mum did you have a conversation and, and say are you noticing dad's getting a little bit tired looking or did you just all keep that in and was there just a you know block it out block pretend it out. it's not going yeah. on kind of in fairness Sean and my mom actually Sean more so than any of us he was brilliant he just he knew what was happening was I kept saying Eric I kept saying it was a urine infection don't ask me why but I, kept, I had in my brain I'll pretend now it's a urine infection even up till we have a hospice down here called Marymount I don't know if you've ever heard of okay. Marymount so it's a place where you'd go like if, if there's part of it where you go if you're like if you're going to die or whatever but because of COVID we were lucky that they actually came out to the house and you know once they start coming out of the house and 
it's um it's not looking good. And I remember even saying to the doctors, Aunt Mary might be like, Air, it's just a urine infection. You know, if I got a urine infection, I'd be sick as well. But sure, my dad is on all this treatment to me as cancer. So of course he's gonna be sicker, you know. I was I was making it up, like I was really blocking what was going on, you know. And even like people when people even on my Instagram found out that my dad had passed away, they're like, Julie, I we had no idea he was so sick because I was coming on up till probably a day before he passed away talking normal. Because in my mind, this wasn't happening. You know that? It might sound stupid, but that's, I was just pretend, I was putting, I was just, I was just making up an excuse, really just, I don't know what I was doing. You just didn't want to deal with it. I, I didn't want to deal with it. So I just pretended in my own little head. Like my mind is protecting me, really. I was just saying to myself, was a urine infection and all was going to be okay? Because it was a shock when you put it up that he passed. Because yeah. usually when um, people are sick or, you know, people who have their own Instagrams are, are sick, like there is, it's a documentation of, well, he's gone in now when, you know, he's getting this done or we're getting this done or we're in the middle of this. So it was a huge shock when you put that yeah. photo up and um, it was like, whoa. Yeah, because as I said, Christmas time, like all the videos and pictures I was putting up, he, he looks fine, you know? And then kind of January, I put up the odd picture because he would come downstairs kind of in January for a while, like just watch the rugby, you know, if rugby was on our match or whatever. And then he might go back up to bed, but I'd get a picture of me and my dad. So to all, everybody watching, he looked fine, you know? And then Jerry passed away then in February, 18 February, and people were like, oh my God, like nobody, nobody knew he was so sick. Um, Julie, what, yeah. happened, what happened to him? Tell me if you can. Um, so after Christmas, is it? Yeah. So obviously the cancer and stuff, and then the radium stopped working. So there was nothing else they could do. And they just said, look, just take every day now as it comes. That was probably this time last year, actually. And he was doing well up to Christmas. And then he started going downhill. He wasn't eating. Um he wasn't eating a whole lot. He was, he, again, as I said, he was sleeping a lot. And that was kind of January. And then probably the end of January, then he just went into a sleep and was talking like, um, was still kind of talking, was, was talking, but wasn't really making sense. But was talking about like if we were, you know what he was talking about now? He was talking about when I was, um, had nowhere to go. And he was like, you make sure now you get sorted. That that was his only, he was back then. You know, he he put he put his life back to maybe four years, three years ago. He was like, you make sure now you get sorted and everything will be okay now. You know, we'll go looking at that house now again. And my dad was in bed. You know, there was Mary Mountain doctors around him. And that's what my dad was talking about. You know, tomorrow now we'll go looking at that house for you. I was like, yeah, dad, we will. He was talking a bit silly, but I suppose that was the drugs as well he was on. Um, so that was very hard to watch. And then he became very frail. And then he was put into, you know, that bed, that, mm. what's it called? Like, that special bed. And to be honest, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go up the stairs because he was at home, thank God. But I would call out to my mom and dad. And again, we were in COVID, so I had nobody to watch the twins. I'd have to bring them with me, but I'd leave them play out the back. And my mom would say, go on up to your dad there now. And I can't, mom. I just, I didn't like seeing it. So um, I felt bad then about that. So I would make myself up, but like I would stand outside the bedroom and I'd, I'd have to I'd have to work myself up to go in there, you know. Um, and then once I'm in, I'm not too bad. I would sit there and he was in asleep and I would um, I'd chat away to him. Or there was one day there was a rugby match on and I put that on my phone and we were listening to the rugby match together. But like he was just sleeping. Um, 
So yeah, that was very hard. And then I'd have to come downstairs and get the tunes ready and put them into the car. And I, I'd be singing nursery rhymes for my mom since all this back here as if everything was fine, you know, but really deep down I was broken, but it, it was a very hard couple of weeks. And then... I'd come home and I'd have to start the twins dinner or whatever and that was okay because I was busy but then at night times once I'd put them to sleep or to put them to bed and I was here on my own in the evenings because again we couldn't, I couldn't have anybody calling to me because of COVID I couldn't go anywhere so I used, I used to be upset then alright And is that when you would probably go on to Instagram or go on and use that as an outlet for yourself? Yeah I'd come on I'd dry the chairs I'd come on as if nothing like oh, I just put the kids to bed and I just got so recommend for the last hour. But I, a normal talk, I I would never say I was just with my dad there. Like you know, we listened to a rugby match, but um, he didn't open his eyes once. He didn't say one thing, you know, and he was just laying there in the bed. I never spoke about that, and that went down for maybe probably about two months, maybe. And but it was great that I had my Instagram because, as I said, it was COVID. None of my friends could call. Um, but so that was my little outlet, you know. That was my, kind of my switch off because I was hair my own. And then that's for someone to be talking about you in the background yeah. and they don't know what the, f- they don't know nothing. They don't know nothing about your life. Yeah, nothing. And like, obviously people knew my dad was sick, but they didn't know he was dying at the time. And I get messages and like, oh, you're down and like, I come on my Instagram, like, oh, I'm just done, done doing the shop there. And then maybe two hours later, I could be over visiting my dad. And like, obviously deep down, I'm bawling crying. I'm outside my dad's bedroom. I try to work myself up to go and see my dad and dad. And then I could just get a message being like, you were in fucking Duns there two hours ago. Now you're with your, your dad. We all know was, you know, was sick and all. Like they didn't know he was dying in the bed. Like, but he had, he had stage four cancer. Like, and I'm like, you've no idea what I'm just going to, about to walk into. And then to read a fucking message like that, like was, oh, it's horrible. Cruel. Absolutely yeah. cruel. And, um, Julie, then, can you tell me, if you can, um, about the day that your dad passed? Um, my dad, oh, my dad's brother came to visit my dad and on the on the Tuesday, I think it was. And um, we said, look, we leave the two of them have their own. We leave my dad's brother chat away to him. And my dad's brother said, oh, I don't think he said he doesn't. He's not breathing really well. And Sean went into God love Sean. He was brilliant. He was at home. So Sean went in on his breathing. Did change a small bit. So we called. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, our GP and the GP came out and just gave him a tablet or something out like that. And he kind of, he, he sounded okay. Then again, again, he was asleep. So Sean, my brother said to the GP... Is it looking bad? You think it'd be tonight? But our GP said, no, I'd say there's another couple of days in him, you know, because he's still had a bit of weight. Like, so we were, uh, we were delighted to hear that. And um, a few of my friends had lost parents in the past. And I said to them, they've all been with their parents when they, they passed away. Like that, they passed away from cancer and uh, other illnesses. And I said to them, I don't think I want to be with my dad. And I know that probably sounds absolutely horrible to some listeners. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to react to watching somebody take their last breath. And I don't want that to be my memory, you know? And I kept saying, and I was like, I felt so bad. I kept saying, I don't want to be there. I just want to remember my dad. It's a good days. So um, they're like, oh, Julie, like you do you, whatever you think. But they were saying, like, you know, when the time, you know, when the doctors call you saying, um, this is it now, like they're odds and you will probably go in, but like, just be there and hold his hand and be there for your mom. And but I kept saying, and then I said, I, I said it to a few of my friends, and, and my dad went without me. But I think he heard me, you know. Mm, he did. I, I truly believe he heard me saying that I, I, I didn't want to be there. But no push came to shove, and if I was in the house, I would have went in. But deep down, I knew I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. So I reckon he, um, he definitely heard me. And he knew I didn't want to be there because he knew I, I was soft. I thought I'd stone it back in his door. So um, I wasn't there. I was at home, and I got a phone call. But I knew as soon as my phone started ringing because it's very early in the morning. I was here on my own with the kids. I had to get them up. I had to get them dressed. Just that I knew my dad was gone, like, and got them up, got them dressed. And at that stage, schools were after reopening, but only to like um healthcare workers, kids and stuff. <laughs> so the teacher or the owners of the schools, I'm blessed with them. So they actually rang, I don't know. Tussler, whoever, and they said, look, we have this single parent here. She's on her own. Her dad isn't well. And these kids come back into the school that she needs support. And in fairness, they're like, yeah, she was, um, what was the word? Oh, I don't know what they'd call me, like priority, I suppose. Yeah. I was there my kids in. So I was, I dropped them in there and I went home and I said to my mom, the first thing I said, I was like, he knew I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, do you know what, Julie, you're, you were like, you're, you're probably right. She knows that you wouldn't have been able to take it. And that's, that would be, would have been my memory going forward, you know? He was protecting you till the very end, Julie. I think so. I think so. And um, you find it, you find a great comfort in that. But I really, mm. and I, I, I feel awful even saying it, but I want to be honest because I know that there might be other people out there that don't want to go in. You know, if they knew a parent or somebody they loved was dying, because I was like, how do you say goodbye? Like, you know, I, and I did it in my own way, like listening to the rugby match, which my dad loved. You know, we had we had a bit of crack that, like I was listening to it. I was like, oh, dad, Jesus, he hasn't never got to try, even though he wasn't speaking back. But, you know, 
I did it in my own kind of way but I wasn't there like that now I, we didn't know um, he was going to go that night the GP said he was he seemed to be fine but if the GP said otherwise I would have been there and I would have went in but I would have fucking hated obviously hated that left. And then he wouldn't have wanted that for you either. He wouldn't have wanted no. you doing that. Yeah. Like even after the funeral now, I said to my friends who I would have said to, like before my dad passed, like that I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to go into the room and I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like I said to them, I was like, isn't it fucking mad? Like, and uh, they're like, but Julie, he was protecting you. He knew that you didn't want to go in. And Julie, then can I ask you, because I know um, my friend Natalie, her grief just swallows her up like she's drowning like yeah what is grief like you know i read a quote yesterday it's like it's like an inner scream inside you but nobody can hear it only you you know and you just want to want to just leave it out it's it's like an inner scream inside you i suppose that's the only way i can um i could put it it's it's horrible Absolutely, it's 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 an empty pit, and for the first, I'm still doing it. I'm I'm constantly eating, and I thought I'd be the opposite. I thought I would be able to put nothing into me, you know, that I feel sick. But all I'm doing is eating. But what I feel like is I'm trying to fill an empty hole. Mm. You know, it's like an empty hole. So I'm I'm eating. I'm drinking so much teas and coffee till it comes out my ears, and I don't even want it. It's just an empty hole I'm trying to fill. You know, and it's never ever going to be filled, but. That's uh, that's what I'm doing. And what is the um, COVID funeral like? You know, because we lost a really good man in COVID, and I have a story that I want to tell people about him. Like, you know, because I'm sure with the the, the character that your dad was, that loads yeah. of people had stories about him. Would like to share. Is it very a COVID funeral very difficult, or does it actually help? Yeah, no. Um, there's pros and cons, I suppose. Like, you know, at a normal funeral, people would come up to you and hug you and shake your hand or whatever. Like at my dad's funeral, I didn't get out. not one people, not one person shook my hand or put their arm on my shoulder or you know, gave me a bit of a hug. You know, I just sat there. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to support my mom. My mom is trying to support me. We were supporting Shaw. Like obviously, we had some cousins and there was other ten of us, but. Not one person could shake my hand or, you know, are you all right, Julie? You know, or a bit of a kiss on the cheek, nothing for those two days. And we normally we'd have the rosary and the removal then, obviously, the night before the funeral, but that was all very different as well. And what we do on um, before COVID is from the funeral home, we'd walk behind the coffin up to the church. We weren't allowed to do that, you know. Um, my dad just went up to the church by himself. Like normally, we'd accompany, uh, like go with the coffin, like be there, but the, none of that was allowed. It's not, it's not like a proper closure. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I think we didn't get the proper closure that you would before COVID. Yeah, the Cabra girls they said that because Jamie's granddad died, and the other girls said like. She, they couldn't even go up to her like you know what I mean they couldn't even get, get up near her and then even she yeah. said like she couldn't just take a break and especially you with the twins she couldn't even take a break to go to a cinema and get like a little bit of headspace for 20 minutes yeah. or an hour like watching a movie with the girls she couldn't even have that so that must no. be very difficult it was so so hard um Oh, it was, it was so, so hard not to have one person being able to shake her hand at your own dad's funeral, you know, it, you're just sitting there. And then we, when we left the church, like there was a load of people outside, like listening and stuff new from that link. And I came out and I was holding Fionn and Aaron and um, I was obviously crying walking behind my dad and they all just had to stand there and watch me, you know, like not one of my friends could come up. 
which is hard not them. It's not like just to watch somebody cry, you know. It was very, very hard. Take a minute. <clears throat> I can only I I say it all the time I can only imagine but I actually even can't even imagine um, and then how did you tell the twinnies and you know the way kids are and they say the most cutest things but also the most heartbreaking things like you know what I mean how did you explain it to them um, I just I didn't bring them to the removal because we did have um, an open coffin and I didn't want to see them to see my dad like that but I did bring them to the funeral again I got thrown over that as well that I shouldn't have but anyways um, I brought them to the funeral and I just explained that Granda went up to heaven oh, he, he went up to the sky and he's sitting on the clouds and he's watching me from a cloud now and he's very very proud of me and Erin kind of took it in our scroll uh, she was fine but Fionn is he's soft he's very very soft and he would speak about his granddad a lot like um as i said fiona's playing rugby on a sasha morning and every sasha my dad just come to fiona's rugby training he would just sit on the sidelines and watch fiona so now when we go um like a couple of weeks back now the coach got the little rugby ball and kicked it like really high up and fiona says my granddad will catch that because the ball is going towards the sky um Jesus. Yeah, and um, a couple of weeks back then as well, so Fionn hates getting his hair cut, but he used to remember my mom cut my dad's hair. My mom was always just shave my dad's hair. So um, after COVID, then I brought Fionn to get to a barber's there a couple of weeks back. But Fionn taught on my dad, obviously sitting in the chair getting his hair cut. He remembered my dad getting mm. his hair cut with this razor. So he was uh, he was fine on her for a while and it was it two or three nights ago I was batting him and I was washing his hair and he was like, But that's my granddad's hair. <sighs> you know, stuff mm. like that. Like Aaron, not so much. Um she would say she would often say like granddad's up in the sky, but Fionn Fionn is he's heartbroken after him. Uh, and you see, I think as well it's a male thing because obviously mm. his dad left to go to Australia. Um you know his dad's not in his life anymore then my dad kind of took on the role I know my dad's gone you know it, mm. and like they're only three like it was an awful lot for them like I do feel absolutely so sorry for them that they had to go through that in their their small little three years and you know someone said to me yesterday um I came back from Cork and my mom and her sister were here and she had her grandbaby with her and she said well I ring granddad to come and get us and the child lit up their great fathers but they're better grandfathers aren't they yeah yeah and my mom even says that Jesus Julie I loved you and Sean obviously growing up but there's no love like um, a, a grand love for I have for Fiona and Aaron Rose it's a completely different love you know but um yeah, and my dad, as I said, like I definitely think the twins kept my dad alive that bit longer because he got a new lease of life, you know. He they, they kept him on his toes as well. And you've loads so of mem- memories for them. You've absolutely loads of memories. And it's mad because we didn't have that for our grandparents, do you know what I mean? But you have loads of memories for them. So many. Like if my mom and dad told me they were like obviously before COVID, if they were going to the moon, I'd say, Oh come on, twins, we're packing up, we're going to wherever they used to go, I'd go. You know? Um or if we if I said to my mom, Oh myself and the twins are going to photo for the day, all of a sudden my mom and dad are in the back seat. They're coming as well. We're very, very close family. Um and I, I know a lot of people that watch us always say the same, we're extremely close. Um so it was a, a big blow for, for Fiona and Aaron as well. 
and how are, how are you today? Like, how are you today? I, you know what? I keep busy. I just, I don't stop. I don't sit down. I, the only time I'd really sit down is to watch Love Island, but I'd may, I, I'm always on the go. I'm going nowhere, but I'm gone. I'm doing something. I, I'm, I'm making jobs for myself because I don't want to sit down and have to think of, you know, everything. But um, I'm doing okay. I just keep them busy. The twins are keeping me busy. And to be honest, when I knew my dad was going to pass away, I remember saying to my mom or my friends, I'd be like, I won't be able to parent. I'm going to, like, someone's going to have to take my kids away because how am I meant to get up in the morning just after burying my dad and put weed backs in front of them? Like, no way will I be able to do it. I'm going to be in bed with the juvenile from my head. And at the funeral, like the day of the funeral, I was getting up and I was giving them their weed backs the day after the funeral. I still had to get, I still had to be a mother and it was the best thing. It was honestly the best thing for me was those two kids that kept me going and they kept my mom going and they kept Sean going. Like, they, like, they helped us through it. Like, like no other, like only for them, we would have crumbled. And because of them, we're keep, we're, we're just keep going for them. And they're blessings. They are, they are, and they'll always have. And I'd say he's on his cloud now watching them and he'll always watch them and he'll always watch you as well. Um, yeah. You said in, on your Instagram about Sean that you'd be lost without him. Um, yeah. So it must have been very difficult for him one being the only boy losing his father figure, as you said about um, about Fionn, but also how you said that he was the one who organised everything and did everything for you. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about Sean. So um, again with Sean, I was like, I he could go one way. I was like, what way will Sean take this? Um, but he was brilliant because he was so supportive to me and my mom and the twins. And like, um, my dad passed away at home, so then he had to be removed from our house down to the funeral home. And me, and my mom stayed in the kitchen for that because I was rotten to her you know, him leaving the house, but Sean was there. Sean stood with him the whole way and um, went down to the funeral home then and um, organised everything, got the, you know, the prayer books, picked out the prayers, picked out who was going to read the little prayers. It, it absolutely, you name it now, Sean did it. And then my dad was actually buried with other family members and like they obviously had to dig up the plot again but the grave digger didn't know where my dad was to go so Sean went out and showed him where his own dad had to be buried the day of my dad's death or maybe the day after or something but to do that I couldn't I couldn't do that in a million years and for Sean to be able to just drive out there and point out the plot to dig up like it was oh a hero in my eyes because I wouldn't have been able to do that in a month of Sundays How old is he Julie? Thirty. Jesus Christ yeah, he's so young, like to do uh, to do all that. In fairness to him, like he's brilliant and he's really good with with the kids as well. He's you know he's absolutely brilliant. It seems that like we all lost without each other. Yeah, yeah. As I said, now we're very close in our family, um, and thank God we're still like that. You know. Oh yeah, we're, we're forever together. As I said, if my mom told me now she's going up to the moon in the morning, I'd, I'd go, I wouldn't even question it. I'd, I'd go to, I'm, I'm on the way out of the bags pack and we'd be just gone. Gone. And then Julie, can I ask you, are you lonely? Um, yeah, yeah. Especially, as I said, during the days, it's fine to have the twins and they keep me going. But at night time, it gets, that's then when it hits, like it's, it's, it is very, very lonely because I'm here on my own, you know, every night. But um. I do you know what I'm really getting fucking used to it now and, and my Instagram as well is brilliant that I can come on and just have the chats and the crack with my followers you know 
And they're so invested, Richard. They're so, the first three questions this week was about dating. So wasn't it? Yeah. 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 One after another. It's so funny because I wasn't, I'm after turning into a fridge and I'm so scared. But um, yeah, so I said, I'll put myself back out there now. And because I suppose for the first, like, obviously I had so much going on the last three years, but now finally, like things are kind of after mellowing out and stuff. So I was like, I, I, I might meet a man now. So I went on a date there about two or three weeks ago and I told my Instagram before I went and I'm not joking. I'm sure I got about 700 messages that day. How did you get on? Spill, spill, spill. They just all, I think they all want me to just be happy and, you know, find somebody, find my Prince Charming. Because I find even some of the, you know, messages I get of support come from the most wonderful people that I've never even met. And I'm I'm sure you probably get that on the thousands. Yeah, all the time. And it's like, you know, some of my friends when I went through what I went through, but then I might get a follower that would text me and say, oh, Julie, I went through that last year and this is what happened to me. You know what? You feel less alone, Mm. you know, or like they text me and they're like, oh, my dad passed away there in January or February. And it's obviously horrible to read, but it's lovely that to know that you're not alone. And I always say that back then, like, well, you're not alone because I'm actually on the same journey now as you, you know, we have each other, you know. And like, as I said, I have friends uh, whose parents would have passed away, but that could have been five or six years ago. So they're in a different stage now. You know, I don't know what way, you know, I'm still learning about this whole grief thing. But like, it's lovely when people message me and be like, well, it's not as horrible, obviously, to read. But I'm like, you have me, I have you. If you ever want to chat, just pick up the phone. I'm always, you know, on the other side. Because DMs and stuff. Again, um, my friend said that, and you've just hit the nail on the head there. She said that it's terrible but but she's because she's like a grave goer Jesus Natalie is like if she could be on that grave if she could build her house on that grave she would she's like a total grave goer and always was but she said the big thing for her was she loved seeing a new grave going in or getting ready because someone was about to experience what she was experiencing and she could have a conversation with them about it she said like obviously I don't love that they're at the losing someone they love but they feel the rawness of what I'm feeling yeah exactly and that's exactly what I was saying there it's like I, I often message back like oh I'm so glad to hear but then I, I have to send a voice note like oh my god I didn't mean it like that and what I mean is that I'm not alone you're not alone you know because sometimes when you're going through such a horrible time in your life I used to think I'm the only one in the world going through this but really you're not you know there's so there's thousands and thousands of other people out there going through what you're going through and you're not alone you know and that's why when I have my bad days I'd often come on and cry you know I'd be like I'm having a really bad day today you know or a bad afternoon or whatever but then a couple of hours later I could be having the time of my life down the playground with the twins you know <laughs> so I show all of it really and do you go down to the grave um, I used to be very good at the start. I'm not so good now. I don't. I, I again, it'd be like when my dad was on his deathbed. I don't like going in there, but once I'm in there, I'm not too bad. It's I have to work myself up for it. Um, so I, I, I still go obviously, but I don't like it. And maybe once a week, but before I was going early every day. But I, I think that was bad for me. But everybody is different. Yeah. Yeah, everyone will grieve in their own way and no one should be judged for how they're grieving. A lot of people don't go to graves, um, but I would now maybe once a week, but as I said, I was going every day. But you see, I could go in there actually kind of feeling fine, but I could come out then heartbroken. So I'm like, when I'm having a good day, I might as well just go with this good day and not visit the grave and just keep going with my good day. You know? Um, 
but yeah, I'd still definitely visit him. But I talked to him here as well, you know. Like you'd be always talking in your head and stuff and praying and stuff. And he's always around and he's always still heavily involved in everything that you can see that through your Instagram. And come here, would he have said to you, would you ever meet a fella? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. But you see, then you'd be saying, God, nobody would ever fill your shoes. And then you see, oh, you'd hate to meet a stranger. Like, because you'd be like, but you never met my dad. I'd say, oh, like, go on about it my dad. Like, but then he did this. And because you'd want him to really know my dad, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and also another huge thing for me is that like the wedding, like this is all I'm thinking about. Now. <laughs> Every time I don't even have a fella here, how am I meant to get married to? Like, he, he won't have the chance to ask my dad or who would walk me up the lane? Who would I pick? Meantime now, I don't even have a fella. Like I, I'm running away at myself here. But uh, should be thinking of all that as well, like. No, but it is true. Like you think of then as well, like the kids' communion. That's really tough. And Julie, t- tell me, have you, like, what's your... Throughout your whole life, or even like with the twenties, probably, what's your biggest memory of your dad, and what's what's your dad's legacy? Like I would say, he was just always up for anything. Um, like we'd be off and here now doing TikToks and stuff. Which my dad didn't have a clue about social media. He'd say like, um, yeah, no clue, but like anything, anything to do with social media. And I'd be like, Dad, come on, we we do a funny TikTok there now, and we'd all have to jump into the bash and you know pretend we're on a boat or in the back. Mm. Your man be in the back. He didn't clue what he's doing, but here he is rolling. Like you know, he just always up for anything. Like you know, he's so funny always up for the crack and then he, he'd be, he might be giving out too and he'd be like I don't know what I'm doing here now and then I'd put up my Instagram and like I'd get hundreds of comments and he'd be at home with my dad at home with my mom in bed he'd be like read out those comments there Paul what, what are they saying about me that's what he said what are they saying about me read them out again isn't it too weak for himself and then he could be in Super Valley where he'd go to Credit Union every Friday. We'd, me and my dad used to go to Credit Union every Friday morning to pay off our loan. And then I put money into our savings. We'd pay, be paying off a couple of bob off our loan. And um, people used to say to him up there, oh, I seen you on the Instagram last night. You used to be weak. And then he'd come out, they've seen me on the intercom. Intercom. <laughs> he'd say to me, you're one seen me on the intercom last night. Dad, the Instagram. He didn't clue, clueless, but he loved it. I just, I just think that uh, everyone who has those memories, like it's just... Like what, you know, what will the next generation think of all this madness that we've been doing on Instagram? Do you know what I mean? And on TikTok. Yeah, I know. But he just got involved in it and he just like, no, I, he just went with the flow and he was just, he was good, good, good. Never in a bad mood either. Always just take every day and off he went. And Julie, how's your mum? She's okay. Um, like that now we have the twins and they're keeping her going. Um, she'd come here maybe twice a week now for dinner. I had her yesterday. She's cut my grass and like that now she went back to work. Um, so she likes to just, you know, keep busy and just keep going. Um, but deep down she's absolutely heartbroken. And I think with us, because my dad only passed away in February and it's what July now, it's starting to hit us now. Because as I said to my mom when he asked to have a dinner, I was like, but back in February, March, we didn't really miss dad because when you seen him two, two or three weeks ago, you know, but mm. now it's the missing is coming into play, if that makes sense, you know, it's now you're starting to miss him. And then now it's kind of starting to hit home that this, you know, because at the start, you're so busy, you're organizing the funeral, you're doing X, Y, and Z, but now it's like, oh God, this is actually fucking real, you know? Mm. So yeah, it's, hard. it's very, very hard. But again, we're, we're just keeping busy. And the sunshine as well, it, it's lovely. To, the sunshine, you know, whilst if I'd say if it was lash and rain, it would dull and cloudy and it, it would be horrible. Yeah, because you have all this to come. And I think we, we say that like... 
in the beginning everyone is there for you and then after the few months people start to fall off and they don't understand grief so it's like well it's been four months is she not over that already yeah yeah exactly exactly and that's that's when it actually gets worse you think we at the start but at the start you're you're so in shock you're you know you're up to 90 planning everything and so the first couple of weeks it's just it's and plus it's a blur and now it's starting to be like okay this is actually fucking real and now I actually start to miss him you know because back in the end of February you would not you know you know it's just it's weird it's it's a roller coaster of emotions and are the kids going to um, school then in September when will they go to big school have you got all that planned for them um, so they're not they're not this September for big school they have their one year left for that preschool the ECC mm. year so that's their last year now is this September and then it'll be the following September and then please God they'll be going into their big school and I know I know it's not one you, you know quite well that it's nothing but isn't it mad then you know and I don't, I don't mean to say like oh you'll be free but like you'll have a little bit more free freedom and uh, on your hands and stuff like that that maybe you can start making a little life for yourself then you know yeah yeah definitely because at the moment like I'm sure a lot of mothers can relate it's like it's all about the kids you know mm. like your, pla- your your life is revolved around them and their activities and their camps school camps and their crash you know everything so come school and um, no please God um, yeah everything will um, fall into place and then Julie will I, can I ask you then with the Instagram will, will you stay on it as long as it suits you or is there a point and has there been a point over the time especially with the trolling that you've taught I'm going to give up because the amount of people that we're, have, we've lost on Instagram because they just can't handle it anymore yeah um, so I, as I said I really enjoy it and it's my outlet in the evenings when I'm here on my own so like with the trolls it is deep down it is annoying it's more annoying than anything um, but no I, I wouldn't leave them win and I wouldn't come off because of them um, I'll keep going for we'll see what happens but at the moment I'm going nowhere mm-hmm. you'll never let them beat you no, 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 because as I said, I, I am enjoying it, you know, it's my little outlet, but um, yeah, no, at the, at the moment, no. It's going to be great when everything can come back because I think that we all had, you know, we, with events and seeing people and stuff like that. And now all of a sudden then we've been in COVID and nothing, nothing has been happening. So I think once we can all start opening back up again and maybe people, people will be happier, like with their lives, do you know what I mean? And you see, that's it. And people are scared to post stuff. Like I'm, like I, at one stage in my life, I was going down to Dunn's doing the shop. I had to bring my kids because I had nobody to mind them. And people are like, "Why aren't you doing online shopping?" I'm like, "Because I need the fucking shopping now." And online shopping was taking, you know, some some delivery days was like two weeks time. Like it was just like, "Hey, why are the online shopping?" I was like. Need to fucking go down and do my shopping, and people are judging for that, and judging if you like if you were out there playing and didn't see you washing your hands. You're like, how? Like you only see little snippets. I wash my hands after I came. You know, constantly being judged and judged and judged, especially around COVID. Um, but no, I I, I do think people are scared as well to post up stuff. Yeah, I I see. Like I know someone just posted there recently about. You know, you can't even say that I'm at putting on a bit of weight because yeah. the people who have weight on them think that you're fat shaming them and you're not. You're just saying you're not happy in yourself. Yeah, you can't. Oh, and like I've um, like that, and then going back to the trolls, like 
My house is always up in a heap like Oh, I have two young kids Of course it's up me And I know Pablo Sean All my Instagram followers Christ, look at the mess I can't cope So then they're on trolling me Be like, I mean like How's our house clean? It's an absolute disgrace There's toys everywhere But then I'd look at the likes of Another like like this is Hinch now, for example. Mm. A lovely, beautiful clean house there sometimes. And sometimes people only show their clean houses, and that's absolutely fine as well. But then they're saying about her, how is our house so clean when she has two kids? <laughs> I'm like two minutes now, you just wrote yesterday that my house is up in the heat. Like you can't win. No matter what you fucking do, they're gonna talk about Jack, you know? Yeah. So and that when I read stuff like that, like throws me like, oh, her house is up up in the heat, like why does not why is our house clean? Why does it pick up the toys or whatever? But then you're reading the next day that they're giving out about a clean house. How is our house so clean? It, it just goes to show you can't fucking win no matter what you do, they're gonna talk about judge and all. Exactly. Um and can I ask you this? Um how is there a family out there who have no fucking contact with those two little babies? I know, I know, I, and especially that they're in Ireland now. They're they're up the other side of the country, but um, yeah, and they have they have um, we my mom actually reached out and said there's spare rooms down here if you ever want to come down. You know, I'll never say no, and we just heard nothing. So, but I went to I went through solicitors there recently because. They're, they're, they don't have the same surname as me and I'm worried please God the next couple of months we'd be able to go on holidays if I went up to if I went on holidays with them I'm a Haynes and they have two different surnames will people like, will I be stopped do you know what's going on yeah. so I just rang a sister and I just wanted to find out where I stood and um, he had a solicitor then out in Australia and stuff and they were just chatting away and his solicitor asked me if he was ever come home would I allow the kids see him like they have no they have no FaceTime they don't talk at all at all for months and months um, as much as I'd love to say fuck off no like it's me I just you know I wouldn't do it to my kids and you know at six, when they're 16 years of age they turn around to me and be like so you're fucking fault and we don't have a relationship yeah. so I said look if he ever comes home no hassle but I want to be there to supervise do you know Yeah. especially for the first couple of meetings because they didn't see him since they're probably just gone on two maybe um, so yeah so um, but I, I would never stop him from seeing them as much as deep down you'd love to say fuck off do you know but yeah. I wouldn't I'd uh, I, I wouldn't use the kids either as a weapon you know but um, yeah so yeah so that because it's it's just really like like you know with the thing we say it all the time like if you go up into a nightclub or up to a school or you go to on a holiday and you're looking at someone going that's the spit in me now that person's the spit in me because they're actually in a cousin or you know what I mean and yeah. and cousins do be the spit of each other sometimes especially your your two with their fairness as well and their hair like yeah it's it's beyond beyond and obviously these people you're like you know a well-known person you've got this platform they're obviously looking watching oh yeah definitely and there's screenshots and stuff of um the kids and it's like and then using that as the profile picture and you're like but fuck it like you, you didn't ask me for a picture like if you ask me for a picture if you constantly ask me for pictures of course i'd probably send them and stuff um but just to look to see how they're getting on and instead of picking up the fucking phone yeah. You know, 
it, it, it doesn't make sense at all at all but look I'm, I, I just don't get it I just don't get it but as I said it's not me I have no hassle but like how am I meant to do me like play dates and stuff when he's on the other side of the, the, other side of the world I should say yeah and as you said you're, you know you have all this documented and you have everything because a 16 year old you know you were a 16 year old yourself that you'd say yeah. well that was on you ma'am you you did that you did that you stopped yeah. all that you know what I mean yeah and it's, you know yourself it's not then till you have your own kids that you actually be like oh my god my mom was right you know mm. I should listen to my mom but sure when you're uh, I was a little bitch when I was 15 16 growing <laughs> up you know I, I hate my mom they were the best of friends so we used mm. to I used to kill my mom my mom used to kill me but um, but that's the way every household went you know yeah. and I know the two of them are going to turn around to me probably in a couple of years like oh, it's not because I actually reached out you know yeah yeah and you tried and that's it and I I am yeah yeah and and again as I said if he ever came back from Australia I would never say no you're not seeing the kids but Mm. I will I did say to the solicitors there's no hassle if he ever comes back he can have a little play day but I want to be there just standing in the background because in the end of the day he's going to be a stranger he didn't see them in two years like and it is like as you say it is so strange because even I my passport is in my maiden name and yeah. when I was going through Dublin airport um, I went I went in and I had two kids with me um, I think it was my yeah. first child actually it was on Amelia and I handed him my passport and he said to me is there another Kelly travelling with her and I was yeah. like oh yeah no and he was and luckily yeah. enough my mother-in-law was behind me um, my mother and father was my, my mother and my mum it was actually going to Portugal and it was the two kids with me but he actually looked for someone with yeah. an, a, a and, he, and I said well that's my mother-in-law my mother but they're my kids yeah. and he yeah. was like yeah. okay but I thought what the fuck and you'd hear stories like that all the time and I would have no like nobody behind me with the same surname as my kids so what would happen in my you know mm. so I had to I had to go about it's like what what will happen if I do go on holidays and we have the completely different surnames and and like somebody stops us so there's this thing anyway called an affidavit or something so I just have to get that but like I didn't know that at the time you know but now I do thank God but it's very very hard very hard and even though I'm starting school like I'd love them to have my surname starting school because it's me with them all the time you know yeah. it's the three of us um but it's very hard to change their names. It's very, very hard. Fair play to you. I'd say, and I don't want to even say, but I fucking heartbreaking that you do look at their their, their names and be like, I, I, I was the one who I put their names on, his name on it. And then you fucking yeah. did this. But you're in a fucking bubble, you know, yourself when kids come along. So you're like, oh, sure, we'll be up the island in the next couple of weeks. We're married. We're like, this is it. This is fairy tale. You're in a little bubble and... My God, things go fucking parachute very, very quick, like, you know, it's, and that's just life. It's and just life. Did you ever get to grieve that relationship? Not, not really, because I was straight into my dad then being so sick. And because I had absolutely fucking nothing at the time, I was on a couch, I had a tent up my back garden, my wardrobe was in the hall. I had like I had so much going on in my brain then, like, I don't know how my head didn't explode. I didn't like it's only now that I'm actually after finding my feet look I have a kind of long term rental house here you know and the kids are happy and you know that I'm actually able to look back now in those three years and be like what the fuck did I just go through do you know will you ever get counselling do you think I started that I actually did start it I'd say it was about a month after my dad died but I was going in there and he was like how are you feeling I'm a bit of a people pleaser and I'm a grand and he was like do you feel like this and I felt like even though I wasn't really feeling like what he was saying, but I didn't want to say no because I didn't want him to think, 
gosh, you have a fucking clue what I'm doing here. You know, so mm. I said, yeah, maybe I do. And then I remember he was like, close your eyes, he put on a bit of music and he was like, go somewhere now peaceful. And I actually think I went to the beach and I was sitting on the beach and when he when he brought me back around, he's like, where are you? And I was like, well, I went to the beach. Is that okay with you? You know, this, yeah. this is me. Like, it's a little duo. The next time I'll go somewhere else if you don't want me to go to the beach. I'd say your man was like, what the fuck is wrong with your one? And at the time, my dad was only after passing, Jesus only, but a month I'd say, and at that stage, I was still in shock. I didn't, I actually didn't believe that my dad was gone. So I was crying, friend, how are you? You know, that was my attitude. And how are you? You know? And so, yeah, and now I think I would need a bit of counselling. Um, but I, like back then, it was way too soon because, again, I, 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 I didn't believe my dad was gone back then. So, um, so now maybe because it's, it's kind of hit me now, maybe I will. Yeah, because I think when... Um the freedom does hit you. That's where you're going to find yourself in need of something. And I actually, I actually can't wait for the, not the, you know what I mean? I can't wait for you to have that, like just peace of mind. And then you go, okay, now it's Julie's time. Now I need you. Yeah. Julie yeah, and I definitely say. feel like it's it's starting to happen now. You know, everything now is just, <laughs> fingers crossed, nothing else will go fucking belly up with me. But um, now it's, now I think that I'm at, I kind of have to find in my feet, you know, but I'm, I'm in the depth of grief then though at the same time, you know, so um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen down the line. It's, it's just, it's fucking mad. Um, That's just life though, isn't it? It is. And come here, what's the plans for the rest of the summer? Now you go, to, you, have, you have the mobile home, haven't you? We do. We have a lovely mobile home down in Garyville. My mum and dad actually bought um, a mobile home last year down there. Um, so we'll go down there. It was very hard. Now going down, obviously, this summer without my dad for the first time. But, um, but we're loving it down there. The kids, lo- it's great freedom for them, you know. Mm. And we have the beach then on our doorstep. It's beautiful. And it's only 40 minutes down the road from Cork City. So it's, it's great that we could kind of come up and down for appointments or like, one of them at a rugby now or Manfreds, Ernest and the Manfreds, we could kind of come up and down, you know. I actually like going down to the mobile home. Um, it's just so, so peaceful down there. And I'd sit there and we have a lovely view of Gary Ball Beach. And we'd, I'd, meet, well, I'd just sit there with a cup of tea and I could kind of turn on, I could switch off. Um, so, so that's really, really lovely down there. And then when you're talking to your dad, what do you say to him? Everything. I'm chatting to him about fucking everything. Um, I'm I like just I like to talk with kids, talk about life in general. Like I'd be asking for the lot of numbers, like everything, anything, yeah, anything. Are you angry at all? You know, somebody who asked me that I was with my mom actually. Um, she asked because apparently the, 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 is there seven stages and one of them is anger mm. and I don't think I am yet now again this could all next week I could be thrown plates off the one could watch me but I, I don't think I feel anger because I know my dad lived a great life he got to meet Fiona and Aaron Rose um, he went on holidays nearly every year with my mom. he got to travel out to Australia to me we went to Bali when we were out there went to Sydney for New Year's he lived he lived a, a whopper of a life and and, and as I said, like he got to meet the the twins, so um, so I don't I don't feel ang- angry because like that. I think he lived his life and he lived it to the best, you know. Was I would I get why people would feel angry when a younger person is taken away, you know, because mm. that's absolutely horrific. But my dad lived to a great age. He he lived he loved life. He took every and he really like made the best of every single day. So for that reason, I don't feel angry. I don't think not yet. But then again. Who knows? This could change, but for now, no. 
And what any advice would you give anyone going through a cancer diagnosis of a parent or a loved one or the loss? What advice would you give them? Um, like going through it, I think for me going through it was nearly worse than the loss because towards the end, obviously we lost him and that was absolutely horrible to us. Um, and all the doctors, and all, it's just absolutely rotten. But honestly, like you're not alone. Like there's so many, like, it's just that lonely feeling that comes over you. And you honestly do think you're the only person in the world going through it. But since I lost my dad and so many people reach out to me, like I know now I'm not alone and you're not alone either. And just take every day as it comes and don't be trying to think too far ahead either. Just, just take every day, every day as it comes. And on that note, Julie, we leave it there. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. You're very kind to give me your time, your busy, busy time. Um, and I'm sure this will, as I said, I had so many requests to sit down with you. People were asking me all the time um, and I'm delighted you have. But I think that this will help a lot of people and also give some of those assholes a bit of insight to yeah. what you are actually going through with all of that by putting that brave yeah. face on Instagram for for us, for us, yeah. your followers and, you know, putting the brave face on it's it's very brave very brave so I, I i said it to somebody else i wish this wasn't happening to you and i wish this wasn't happening to your mom and everything but i know you you all have each other and i just wish you all the best luck um and i just hope you keep going and you keep getting through it thank you so much and thanks so much for having me on i was very nervous but i'm actually i really enjoyed it so thank you so so much for thinking of me hi everyone rebecca here i hope you enjoyed this week's podcast Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As you know, your feedback is invaluable. If you have the time, please leave us a review across your favorite podcast platform. See you next week.